0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting. And this is our special gift to you, the listener. It is our Rocky 1 review. That we put out a couple of weeks ago, it was applauded by everybody. It went down in history as one of the greatest shows we have ever put out, and we just couldn't withhold it from everybody else. So here it is, <laughs> the free version of our Rocky One review. Everyone's talking about the director's cut of Rocky Four that's going to be coming out. This is the this is the podcaster's cut of the Rocky One review with John Pollock and the uh, the Apollo to my Rocky. Waiting.
0: We just decided to embark on this adventure that's going to take us months and months and months to go through. We're about to review Rocky 2 next week, so get caught up with us, listen to this Rocky review, and if you enjoy it, consider signing up for the Post Wrestling Cafe. Six dollars a month gets you access to all of our shows for a very important September for us, probably our most, one of our most important and busy months of output. Not only do you get all of our Rocky reviews, you get our entire catalog of MCU reviews that's just sitting there right now waiting for you. It's calling your name. Ask away A SmackDown every single Friday on Rewind of SmackDown. And if that's not enough, G1 coverage beginning in September as well.
1: All that for $6 a month. That's it. All of that, $6 a month. Uh We're also going to be going live after All Out this Saturday, uh, as we will be for Clash of Champions. So... For Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso uh, patrons, uh, you have live access to our post-pay-per-view shows, but the, uh, the big stuff this month will be the G1 reviews, and next week, on Tuesday, our review of Rocky two. So you can get all set, uh, get our thoughts on the first film as we dive into the sequel, the rematch, next week. So, the words that I said to myself right after we finished this show, Yo, Adrian. We did it. Enjoy.
0: Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo's seen you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Well, it's just that you see uh, I fight in clubs, you know, and I'm really a ham and egg this guy. He's the best, and uh, it wouldn't be such a good fight, thank you very much you know. I appreciate it and all. Rocky do you believe that America is the land of opportunity yeah Apollo Creed does and he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title and that unknown is you he picked you Rocky Rocky it's the chance of a lifetime
1: you can't pass it by say. Hello everybody, it's John Pollock and Wei Ting, and welcome to a brand new era of movie reviews.
0: Yeah, brand new era, I would say so. I mean, you know, after we've we just completed uh, essentially what took two years, uh this would certainly qualify as a, a different era. Um And I, you know, it'll be very different, going from like a comic book movie to this.
1: It's a big shift, yes. I'm looking forward to these, though. We've got uh, six Rocky films, and then we got two Creed films, and by the time we're done this, uh, maybe we're, like, on the cusp of Creed 3. I know that they had announced it,
0: it, that it was in production, but, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's just starting production.
1: I, I don't think they'd even started shooting, Way. Like, I yeah. think they were still fine. Like, they were... I won't say the infancy, like, it had been announced, but, I mean... Uh, just in researching for for this show, looking at it, like it wasn't even, like they weren't even knowing if Stallone would be part of the film because he had looked at Creed two as being kind of his uh, that the the final film. So yeah, I mean, who knows how long that's going to be delayed? Other than it's in the pipeline, but so are like think of how backed up Hollywood must be oh, from shooting schedules and people that have you know for big actors and actresses like two years worth of films that are probably lined up and that timetable is all out the window. So you've got to make decisions. Like what projects are you taking over other commitments you had and what gets pushed to the back burner? Like it's, it's going to be a mess for years. I would think based on how, how much like how limited production has been over these couple of months.
0: Completely, completely at the same time. I mean, much like in the way we're seeing with sports with just, you know, every sport league running at, at the same time. Um, Whenever things do end up, like, you know, opening back up and becoming normal, I can just imagine a summer of just every single blockbuster coming out, like, within succession. It's going to be crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, like, as someone that doesn't have a financial stake on the health of any of these films' performances, I mean, just as a bystander watching it, I'm intrigued to see what what happens in all of this, but... I mean it's it really does show you like the impact of just the world we're living in to just watch watch like the final scene of rocky where they're in an arena and it's like how could you shoot that now
0: digitally cgi
1: i guess guess you do have certain advantages that 1976 did not so i guess they do have that going for them
0: uh well cgi would be quite tough to do on a one million dollar budget which uh even for 1976 seemed like it was a pretty small budget at the time um before we get going like what is tell tell me about kind of your history with the series when was the first time you started like you saw your first rocky film and uh yeah
1: I'm trying to remember that I think I'm pretty sure the first rocky film I watched was Rocky 4 so I didn't even watch it in order and I I feel that one I would have watched when I was a really young kid and what as I was trying to recall that there was a summer when Maybe it was CTV in Canada. They aired the Rocky movies every night for a week straight, all five of them. And I remember, like, they put them on late, too. Something like 11 p.m., midnight, something like that. So for a week, my brother and I used our handy device known as a VCR recorder and recorded the images that were being projected on the television that then you would do uh, something called a rewind. And the following day, because we were home from school during the summer, we would watch the Rocky films. And I think we watched all five that week.
0: That's amazing. Wow. I, now- mean, I guess
1: I was like 11 or 12 maybe uh, seeing these. And then, uh, yeah, just watching them sporadically throughout. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, s- I saw them like uh, a handful of times in my life.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me um... – See, I was born in 1984, so by that time, um, I believe there had already been several iterations of this film, and, you know, certainly by the time I, I was watching older films, or, or even watching, like, you know, more more adult movies, not those types of adult oh, movies. Oh, I was going
1: to say, way well, we
0: was busy at 12. But, I mean, uh, the, you know. <laughs> that was the
1: other, that, that was late <laughs> at night on City TV,
0: not on CTV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, different channel uh but you know but certainly by the time i got to like watching uh movies made for older audiences like i i i'd known about rocky of course like by this point like in the 90s it was already part of a big part of pop culture certainly you know things like um like running up the steps these were like just things you would see parodied and referenced in, uh, across all sorts of like tv shows and and things like that
1: so the i lipton, feel the lipton brisk ice tea commercials i mean that was right. a lot of people's gateway I guess it's so. It's brisk, baby.
0: Yeah, but you know, unlike Star Wars, you know, which had like a 90s re-release, like I never really had a proper like full-on reason to go back to rewatch or watch for the first time like these films that started off in the 70s. So I had always known the story but had never really had an excuse to dive into it until like I would say I I'm trying to think if I like ended up watching Creed first actually. Like I meant I might have been like that late to it where like I might have just saw Creed and then went back to watch the original Rocky film. Well that's really recent then. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, obviously at this point, like relatively easy to go back and rewatch everything and uh uh I I'll say, like, you know, with this being the first one, um these films are very different from one another. When you go through from Rocky One all the way to like Rocky Balboa, each film really has its own like style and tone
1: they do um and as we will get into them further i mean certainly a reflection of the time period as well and i mean you know you you will heavily see that in rocky 4 but i mean yeah all of these you're looking at you know different kind of slices of their time period uh with the first rocky being um you know for most people like it's the the first Rocky film that they see. And for many, like this is the standard bearer. Like this was an enormous phenomenon in Hollywood. And to juxtapose to today, like, I don't think this project gets done in its current form uh, today, like putting an unknown actor who had just done a handful of films at this point, uh, cast as the lead, uh, doing something on this million dollar budget. Like, I, I don't think this gets made in it's in the way that we remembered it. And it, is a drastically different movie if this is pitched today.
0: Right. Um, I mean, I I do think you, you might still have instances of like, you know, um, companies um, taking a chance on a small budget film with like, you know, an unknown star being cast as, as a lead. Um, But, you know, a million dollars seems like it's a lot of money, but I, I, even back then, I, I have to imagine it, it probably, Cause like hearing all these stories afterwards of like the the amount of like, uh, restrictions that you know Stallone and the producers had in trying to create this film, it didn't even seem like a whole lot of money at
1: that point. So, and you can't even call it like this is like like Talia Shire who plays mm-hmm. Adrian like is a very accomplished actress by this point. Like this is you know she's coming off the Godfather films, yeah, yeah, or at least the first one, yeah, both of
0: them actually. The other one okay was... they
1: they've done two two had already come up by yeah, now. so I mean that that's a huge get for them in in that role, and i mean uh Burgess Meredith, I mean the penguin for Christ's sake, you've got i mean yeah that's doesn't right. come much more in demand than than him in nineteen seventy six so before we dive into this one, uh
0: maybe we'll talk a bit more about sort of some of the behind the scenes of how this thing came together. I have some notes here, if, if you uh, wouldn't mind, John. Feel free to chime in anytime you yep. want. Yep. So as you mentioned, Stallone was a very uh, relatively unknown actor at the time, having only had very small roles or you know background extra work. Um, the producers here, Chardoff and Winkler, they became interested in Sylvester Stallone primarily as a writer after reading one of his scripts for a movie called Paradise Alley. Um, have you seen Paradise Alley?
1: You know what? I haven't seen Paradise Alley and Ooh. it's uh yeah, um certainly quite the tie-in. So Paradise Alley for people
0: unaware uh was a film starring also Sylvester Stallone but based around professional wrestling and in fact stars a number of professional wrestlers uh primarily Terry Funk. So he sold the script for Paradise Alley wouldn't go on to make it until after Rocky came out, but by this time they wanted to purchase originally Paradise Alley, but he had already sold it. So instead of, um, you know, Paradise Alley, Stallone said, uh, can I do something else for you guys? And the producers invited him to write a new script for an idea that they had, or at least uh, they wanted a boxing film. And Stallone happened to have an idea for a boxing film. He, he reportedly wrote this screenplay for Rocky in three days, working for 20 straight hours feeling very inspired after watching a match between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Webner in March of 1975. Did you know uh, much about this story, John?
1: Yeah, I mean, that that had always been the legend that this movie was inspired from that fight. And then in years after the fact, I mean, Stallone would really downplay that as the influence. And there was actually a lawsuit that was filed by Webner And they had this... Uh, you know, largely Wepner felt that, hey, I, I should be cut into all of this, which, I mean, we can get into it too about, you know, Stallone, this was very much his baby, but it's not like this guy um, had any ownership of this thing either. I mean, he, you know, he had to sacrifice a lot to get this movie made, um, but ESPN did the, did a documentary about uh, this whole story a few years back, but that was, and Chuck Webner, of course, he had his ties doing the match with Andre the Giant at Shea Stadium, uh, so different worlds uh, connected here in this the rocky origin when you say ownership what do you mean in terms of like the licenses and having a stake in like the rocky franchise um Sylvester Stallone did not have a piece of that like that was owned by the studios so when you see like rocky licensed uh to other uh, like just merchandise and video games or a- anything to do with the rocky uh, just to have um you know a, an ownership stake in like the intellectual property of it he he didn't get any of that and he talked about this in an interview over the past couple of years that that was something just to get a few percentage points would have been astronomical like oh, he God. gets he gets yeah. two and a half million for this first film and granted i mean sylvester stallone has done all right he's mm-hmm. he's been okay um but it does tell you like the the studios had the overall control of this thing
0: is that to this day or did he end up like renegotiating something
1: this was in. This was only like four or five years ago that Variety did this big story about the ownership thing. And to my knowledge, it uh, has not changed since then.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, for people who, I guess, aren't aware of this uh, particular match between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Wepner, uh Ali was a huge favorite, and Webner was a heavy underdog that ended up making it all the way to the 15th and final round before getting TKO'd by Ali. So... um. You don't exactly clearly
1: was not inspired because we didn't get a TKO.
0: I guess not. Completely different story here. Uh, the studio. Did you
1: feel Chuck? S- sorry, finish your uh...
0: – No, no, no. I was just about to move on, but you were gonna say.
1: Okay, let like l- let's look at that. And granted, we don't know all the the the. Sp- we can't get into. Does Sylvester Chuck K. Head.
0: deserve a cut? Is what you're saying?
1: I, I. Does he maybe not even like a financial cut? But to me. Is there a, a screenplay out there that doesn't have an inspiration behind it? Like, yes, you could take – like, this fight, the concept of Ali and Chuck Wepner. But to me, that doesn't write out a whole script. That of doesn't produce so. this film. So I can – I believe Stallone, like, if that was the, the seed that was planted, I think that that credit should be acknowledged. But I can't say that Chuck Wepner – deserves a financial cut of the success of this film that the germ of the idea came from this fight with Ali and Chuck Webner. There are lots of people who watched that fight that did not produce this gigantic film.
0: Absolutely. Agreed. I mean, I I, I don't even know what legal ground Chuck Webner would have had to stand on, to be honest with you. Like, would, would Muhammad Ali have had a claim to it as well in that case? Um, like, if
1: you, if you draw upon, like, a real-life experience and you write a song, Like, uh, is the girl that broke your heart, uh, financially inclined to get a cut of your sales? Like if, if so, like Taylor Swift would be paying in perpetuity, uh, to ex-boyfriends. Whoa. Imagine that.
0: Um, heartbreak sells. I, I guess so. Yeah. No, personally, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, you know, there's a, a movie about Chuck Wepner that's out there too, where like some of this stuff is documented. So. Uh, his story is certainly really interesting. I, I'd like to know a bit more, but I haven't like just on the surface. I I don't really I understand the argument, but I I'm sure there's a bit more to it than maybe we're we're just suggesting here.
1: It, listen, if this film flopped and it didn't go anywhere, I don't think he's really making it. It's because oh, it was not. such a big, it was just a gigantic success. That I mean, this is someone that sees, a, like, hey, I'm sure there was le- legal representation that said, yeah, of course you have a case. And mm. you you want to hear that? It's like, hey, if I could get a cut of this, um, you know, I I applaud him for trying. But you know, if I was a judge, I don't I don't know how much I would give based on your fight was the inspiration behind uh, what this led to. Like, the, Stallone did the work. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. So the studio, United Artists, they were originally
0: hoping to cast a known star like a James Conn or a Burt Reynolds for this role, uh, but Sylvester Stallone <sighs> was. Can you imagine either of those two as no, Rocky? No,
1: I, I can't at all. But you know, today. Absolutely, one of those would have been cast over uh, Sylvester Stallone. I think 100%. Like, it's such a star vehicle. Like, that's just the way films are cast these days that you go with the guaranteed thing of someone with, you know, it'd be Dwayne Johnson that they'd be trying to get to play Rocky Balboa today instead of some unknown writer uh, that that presented you with this script. So, I mean, I'm glad it turned out this way because I cannot imagine Burt Reynolds um, making it to Rocky 2
0: uh rocky with a mustache i think james Conn would have been interesting but i mean honestly like you see the end result and and it's really hard to picture anybody but stallone uh stallone was very adamant that he starred in his own film and after much negotiation and including some budget cuts as well as like something about a crossover deal between this and uh a martin scorsese film that was about to come out at the time called uh i believe it was new york new york Something, mm, something like yes, that. That's right. Um, like there was you lost like a, money, right? There was a cross deal that basically said, "Okay, so we're going to take a chance on this indie boxing film, uh, but as long as you know this Scorsese film, which is very likely to make money, as long as that generates money, we can cover all the losses." What ended up happening was Scorsese film, Scorsese's film bombed, and Rocky ended up doing tremendously well. So it actually helped the other way around. So, uh hey, um. Some 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 gambles pay off, and that is all to set up Rocky from nineteen seventy six, directed by John G. Avildsen, produced by Erwin Winkler and Robert Chartoff, written by Sylvester Stallone. Of course, uh, shall we go through a brief recap of it all? You you just handle the reins, way. Okay, and you just jump in with any thoughts that you have. It is November of nineteen seventy five, weeks before nineteen seventy six, the date of America's bicentennial. So Rocky Balboa, at this point, is a 30-year-old local Philadelphia boxer who really just is a hobbyist at this point. You know, he makes money primarily as a loan shark collector. So this movie opens up with a fight, um, which I really, at this point, can best describe as some sort of underground.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was a Philadelphia Underground with, yes. uh, what was his name, uh, Rico. Yes. So uh, Rocky, uh, Shane
0: McMahon is there just, like, calling all Stand challenges. Stand
1: him up! Yeah. I guess that, that really doesn't apply to uh, our, our boxing guess motif not. here, but nonetheless. Uh, you know, Rocky
0: barely squeaks by some bum and earn, earns himself 50, $40 for, for this win. Uh, but does, despite this win, you can clearly see that nobody around in this world gives him any credit for it. His quarterman tells him that he should think about quitting. His opponent says he got lucky. We take a trip through the streets of Philadelphia, and it's very grungy, very, you know, this is a low-income neighborhood. It's it's very apparent. Rocky walks home, and he practices a joke about turtle food that he intends to tell his crush at the pet store. Adrian, played, of course, by Talia Shire. Uh, she's an incredibly shy woman who doesn't really seem to react at all to his advances. Um, she also happens to be his best friend's sister. Polly. Polly, played by Bert Young who is a dirtbag
1: in this film becomes more of a lovable character but my god is he just despicable
0: in this film incredibly unlikable he has demonstrates the lowest opinion possible of his sister he's even violent and verbally abusive towards her to like an uncomfortable degree and won't understand why rocky is into her um so we see rocky at his day job which is being a loan shark he You know, even the loan shark chastises Rocky, you know, for like he's got a very shady job, but he has sympathy for the people that he has to collect money from. And so his loan shark chastises Rocky for not breaking the dude's thumbs like he was supposed to. The man's too nice. We see him at his boxing gym where his locker has been given away by his owner, the coach who owns the gym, Mickey, played, of course, by Burgess Meredith. Mickey calls Rocky a bum He's incredibly mean, incredibly dismissive of, of him, and at this point we don't know why. So we start off the movie where nobody respects Rocky Balboa—not the woman in the pet store, uh, not Adrian, but the, the other uh, woman who owns the pet store, uh, not the loan shark, not the loan shark's driver, not his coach, not even like the twelve year old you know child he's trying to like uh, take off the streets. He really screw you, creepo! <laughs> screw you, creepo! He really is a total nobody. But contrast that with Apollo
1: Creed, John. So this is played by by Carl Weathers, and it uh, it seemed like they had several ideas of who to play uh, Apollo Creed. One of them being Ken Norton, who I mean famously fought uh, Muhammad Ali. And I mean Carl Weathers, I think, is fantastic. Uh, if you are looking for parallels, like he is obviously modeled off of Muhammad Ali. But I mean, there's a lot of Ric Flair in this. Uh like here is just a supreme this is the world champion. Like well dressed, well spoken, business savvy. Charismatic. Yes. And I think honestly, like for for this uh this era, I mean, like a very strong portrayal of a of a of a black athlete uh, for the time. Like I mean Maybe this is just for me uh, reading about uh, Kamala for the last two days, uh, but you contrasted to this like this was it, like Apollo Creed is not a villain in this film like he is the adversary and there's certainly like um, a business and financial incentive for him to give Rocky Balboa this chance, but he's just presented as this larger than life heavyweight champion of the world in an era in the 70s when the heavyweight champion of the world was an enormous deal that everyone knew who that was what i loved
0: and i think what made like apollo creed such an enduring character beyond this franchise uh, and ultimately like you know in a way spitting off into his own franchise just simply based off of i think the legacy of the character is the fact that he's not just portrayed as some like you know mindless like brute who's there to just like you know um play uh to, to his promoter's whim. He is not just a fighter, not just the best fighter, but he's also an incredibly savvy promoter who is a brilliant businessman in this movie. And I don't know how much of that is like, you know, portrayed uh, like com- comes from like the Ali um, inspiration. Uh, but the fact that like you have in one person and in one pr- excellent performance from Carl Weathers, like somebody who's able to demonstrate both in-ring physical ability as well as mental ability and, and business savvy. Like I think that makes him incredibly likable to anybody who's watching this. And ultimately just this incredible juxtaposition to Rocky Balboa, who is none of those things at the start of this movie. At least he's not charismatic. He sucks as a boxer. um, And he's got no money at all. So um, we see Apollo Creed here. Uh, We know that Rocky looks up to it. Admires Creed because uh, we As uh he watches Creed on the news, the bartender there just insults him like, you know, like, like any bartender would insult like some famous athlete. And Rocky actually gets offended by this. He leaves the bar because he's a fan of Creed. So we learn that Apollo's opponent that was scheduled for January 1st has dropped out due to injury. And with no ranked fighters available, Apollo comes up with the great idea of allowing a local Philadelphia boxer a chance to compete for the world championship. And out of all the names that he could choose from, he decides on Rocky Balboa simply based on his very relatable nickname of the Italian stallion, so
1: the Italian stallion the
0: Italian stallion so yes, I mean you know, um obviously like
1: you know um
0: boxing and really combat sports like has always had such an element of like showmanship attached to it, but at least for me coming from like more of a professional wrestling perspective, it's like where it's all showmanship uh, elements like this. I found incredibly fascinating where, you know, I think like to to layman, you would just think, oh, okay, boxing is like any other sport. Number one fights, number two, number three, and like, you know, number one fights and then it moves to number three, but combat sports aren't really all about that. Like it's about what sells. It's about what makes sense. And to see like this discussion of Apollo saying, this name is more important than the guy's record. Uh, I thought it was really fascinating, especially for like a 1976 film.
1: They looked at the key demos and they knew what was going to hit like Rocky Balboa with like the uh, Italian population. And I was just waiting for them to talk about like, is, do we cut in Rocky Balboa to get uh pay-per-view points? But it looks like this was just thrown out on free television. So, I mean, the, the broadcasters, I mean, what was, what was the cut here for Rocky Balboa? Was it
0: on television? Was there even I think TV? That's, You're I mean, right. It was. Yeah,
1: I don't was, know. It was in in story. It was New Year's Day of 1976, so that would have been on a Thursday night.
0: Incredible. So probably not pay per view. Probably not even invented at the time.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Fight TV was carrying uh, Creed and and Rocky Balboa, but this would give us the most cliched and tired narrative for any time that we had a mismatch in MMA or boxing it's a rocky story
0: yes that is right
1: and it allowed promoters to make <laughs> fights that really were not that compelling but they were forced to use someone who was greatly outmatched and we had this this tale to lean lean back on gives this person a chance you never know what's going to happen
0: well perhaps if you know all of these rocky stories had an uh, adjacent love story attached to it maybe they'd be uh, I don't know maybe they would have worked just as well because that is certainly uh, one of the themes of this entire film. Is Rocky's developing love story with Adrian. He takes Adrian out on their first date. It's Thanksgiving. Um,
1: okay, we we, we got her. Okay, yeah. Go, go into this uh, part. We'll talk we, about it at the end.
0: I'm sure you want to talk about Polly here. Because um, you know, even though Rocky says, like, hey, Polly, make sure you tell her that I'm heading over. Polly doesn't do that. Instead, just brings Rocky over. Forcefully pressures Adrian to go out with him. Even taking their turkey that she's been working on all day out of the oven and throwing it out the window, uh, breaking her heart. Uh, you know, these scenes are incredibly difficult to watch. And, you know, the the viewer, I think would quickly have an idea of why Adrian would appear to have such low self-esteem because his brother treats her like shit.
1: There's this, that's incredibly off putting, but I'll say that to me, it's, (laughs) you put like a different, um, a different, piece of music underneath the uh the scene at rocky's home with adrian it's incredibly uncomfortable
0: completely we we, we shall talk about that because they move on to the first date at the ice rink here where um really a interesting bit a bit of trivia note um this scene was originally intended to have multiple people in the ice rink but because this budget didn't allow for so many extras they had to make do with an empty ice rink and stallone would go on to talk about how he would have to like rewrite several scenes as they were in production. And this was one of the rewrites where instead of a full arena of, of people and them interacting with the people at the ice rink, instead they had to do a scene in an empty ice rink. And uh, Rocky convinces the Zamboni driver to let them use it for $15 for te- uh, 10 minutes or something like that. And then on the ice rink, they bond, you know, for the first time, Bonding, it seems, over their parents' criticism of each of their flaws. Rocky's parents telling him that he should focus on his body because he has no brains. And Adrian's parents telling her to focus on her brains because she has no body. So these two quickly What does
1: that conversation go like?
0: Oh, God. I don't know. I have no idea. But, uh, you know, despite being on, on the surface, like, these two feeling like incredibly different people, you understand that they are very good matches for one another because as rocky would say they fill each other's gaps so rocky ends up convincing adrian to go to his apartment um and you know this is where where you kind of alluded to john because we know the relationship these two would go on to have because we have a good sense that rocky is a good person in the moment i think we're fine but adrian exhibits a great amount of discomfort here like not wanting to move things forward and you know to see like Rocky continued to be like, come on, come on, come in here. It, it certainly... I don't know if, like, audiences would be so accepting of a scene like this in 2020.
1: Not not at all, dude. Like, not at all. Like, this to me is... Like, it's the trope of... Well, in the end, it turns out, like, they're a wonderful couple together. And Rocky... Rocky, like, it becomes, like, a love story in, like, the later years. But, I mean, this is, to me, just um uh, totally out of um, just a completely different uh, tone to this film in 2020 eyes that it was very off-putting to see how uncomfortable she was that you lean back on the defense. Oh, she's, she's naturally shy. Yet yeah, That doesn't mean that she is like forced into a guy's apartment. And it's, it's just to me, this is the most awkward scene of, of the whole movie to watch today. So, I mean,
0: you know, I you have to imagine, like, what was behind the thinking of doing a scene like this, because certainly I don't think Stallone ever intended to, like, give that impression
1: off with the character. So I'm trying to think what they were trying to show. And I'm I- sure the idea is that here's a woman, and he's trying to get her out of his shell, mm-hmm. and he's got to push her to get her out of her shell. But in doing so, you're uh, completely taking away any of her kind of agency over her own uh over her body essentially i think it's i'm sure they're not thinking at this level in 1976 but i mean that's how you view it today and it just tells you of like what was presented as like romantic and sweet in 1976 is like completely different today
0: but i mean it also kind of maybe tells you perhaps like what was going on in like stallone's mind at the time if he was in fact thinking that you know, in order to get this woman out of her shell, I have to be the man to like you know continue to like drag it out of her um i i a completely different time we're talking like forty years ago when when this film was written and produced uh so i I have to wonder like how prevalent that sort of thinking was. maybe it was the norm at the time uh but certainly in twenty twenty in the time since then the a scene like this plays a lot more as intimidation and fear, which um is is fascinating you know it's just an interesting study of like what this would have looked like at the time versus what it might look like right now
1: yes as as much as these movies that we'll look at in terms of like the plot and story we're also looking at what the norms were of the culture at the time that they Mm -hmm. believed like this was this was a script that we were presenting to an audience and how it was received in 1976 but also viewing it through you know the the benefit where i feel a scene like this would be rightfully Uh, pan today and and heavily criticized where i think there's less of a defense for this kind of portrayal so they end up
0: making out um and you know this really continues i would say adrian's like really tremendous transformation throughout the film like she starts off saying pretty much no words in the pet store and then gradually through more more of her appearances with rocky in the film we ultimately see her uh just continue to you know Develop and turn into a different person So Rocky at this point Returns to his gym We learn the reason why Mickey treats Rocky so badly It's because he's disappointed in him He threw away his potential To become a collector for a loan shark Rocky at this point also Receives a message from Creed's promoter And he's thinking that He he also drops an ethnic slur on
1: Rocky Balboa As well
0: Oh did he Well that's that's another sign of the times as well
1: yeah. Uh, I, I guess Burgess Meredith gets away with it uh, with, with the age rule that once you're a certain age, uh, you're you're allowed to get it's it's the Archie Bunker rule, I guess.
0: Um, you know, if we had to go through like all these movies like from the time with like a fine tooth comb, I, things, many things will be very problematic. I'm sure.
1: L- listen, this is like in inside of a boxing gym. I am certain that this would be true to form. Of yeah. Uh, Slurs that you would hear uh, repeatedly.
0: So he receives a message from Creed's promoter thinking that Creed is looking for a sparring partner. Instead, Rocky Balboa is offered a world championship title match against the greatest uh, 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 boxer in the world, Apollo Creed. And the scene is really fascinating because Rocky's immediate reaction isn't happiness. This isn't the thing he's always worked for because he... He didn't think that he was even in the guy's league. Instead of, like, you know, any sort of emotion, the guy just stares off into the distance. It's a blank stare, ultimately accompanied with a no. He turns the fight down. And the impression seems obvious in that the man is scared. He doesn't have the self-confidence to even entertain the idea.
1: Yeah, I thought this was, like, a really uh, compelling part of the character, that here is someone that is is just trying to make ends meet to just survive. And here he is given like, this is the golden ticket uh, in Charlie and the chocolate factory. And he's faced with this. And this is to me like a really intriguing, like uh theme uh, that that we see all over the place of people that will talk about what their, what their dreams are, what their goals are. But then when they face them right in the face, facing that pressure of, okay, now, I can't just talk about this. Now I am faced with the chance to actually act upon this. And I, I I think that this is a really compelling um you know, hesitation on Rocky Balboa's part.
0: Throughout the entire like at least earlier portion of this film, at no point do we get the sense that Rocky's ambition is to become a world champion. And I don't know if that's because, you know, he just gave up on that by this point or if he just never had that, but like I you know, I think it, it To me, it seems like his ambitions lie kind of outside of boxing, in that he just, I think he just wants to be recognized as somebody who's not just another, you know, bum from the streets, as he talks about. Not necessarily, you know, being a world champion, but as just like somebody who, eh, isn't, is not a nobody. So at this point, like, to, to and, be... and
1: this fight will either uh, disprove that or confirm it to the largest amount of people possible. Mm hmm. So after
0: some convincing from the from the promoter, Rocky accepts. We see him on TV, uh he's still at this point a really shy person, not really knowing what to say in front of the cameras. And it, we also again catch up with Adrian who has begun her own subtle transformation. She's not wearing her glasses anymore. She's a lot more physically comfortable around Rocky. Uh and what a what an amazing couple of weeks. This was quite the transformation. <laughs> like it some, was
1: it was pretty much overnight.
0: You know, um LASIK surgery will you know, completely change a person as, as you're well aware, John, you take off the glasses and boom, it's just a different world. So now Rocky is thought of as a lot, uh, many people's tickets. <laughs> Polly wants to be in his corner. The loan shark gives him $500. And finally, here comes Mickey demeanor, completely changed. Mickey, walks to Rocky's apartment for the first time in 10 years of knowing the guy um, and starts to begin his big sell to try to become his manager. Rocky immediately knows what this is about. He's disinterested, and he's even pissed off at Mickey and his fakeness. And in this one scene... So Burgess Meredith would, would go on to, to earn himself an Oscar Oscar nomination. and um,
1: Totally he's, justified.
0: He's in much of this film, but like I don't know if he's in that much of it to warrant like the nomination alone but then you see this scene and
1: this is what gets him the nomination it's this yes. scene yes yeah
0: yeah it's incredible uh best supporting actor nomination along with bert young actually as as a uh, polly mm-hmm. uh but you know mickey says it's like uh rocky shuts him sh- shuts him down he doesn't want to coach like he's trained himself this whole time he's going to train himself for this one too and then like he closes the door and Mickey just like whispers, I'm 76. You know, he's desperate. He's just saying it to himself. Uh he carries around an old photo of himself reminding him of his glory days. Uh but like to me the 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 contrast is so interesting because like you have um you know Mickey here who's just like who's mean to other other, other uh um uh, uh boxers like Rocky because he sees so much disappointment in them perhaps from himself. And then you have Rocky who's just been hardened by neglect in his whole life. Yesterday, he was just a nobody and now everybody wants a piece of him. So he's telling the world to fuck off. Uh, He lets out a huge outburst of anger as Mickey leaves. It's the most emotion Rocky has shown all movie. And Rocky, even at this point admits he knows why he's chosen. He's been chosen for this fight. He knows that he's just supposed to be a tomato can to get his face kicked in by Apollo Creed for people's entertainment. And how did you read all this, John? What did you, what'd you think of this? Jesus.
1: I, I'm i just pulling up Burgess Meredith and the films this guy was in. Holy Christ. Like, this guy just didn't stop working for his whole life. I couldn't possibly count all these films. Like, How many you go, are we talking? I Like, it, it's. I've got to be staring at 100 movies here. Like, from 1935 until 2006. Well, 2006, he had died by then. I guess he's, oh, it's uh, archival footage. Go to this guy's Wikipedia, and before you even get to television appearances that this guy made, holy Christ, was this a a working man's actor? Yeah, incredibly
0: seasoned, and this probably being his most famous role. This and
1: Penguin; those are my favorites. Yeah. Um,
0: sorry, uh, your question was just asking your your thoughts about this particular scene with the two of them in, in Rocky's apartment.
1: Oh yeah, like this is this is one of the strongest scenes. I think this is where you are really brought into you know the the character of mickey is like this hardened old you know boxing washout that i mean becomes like rocky's like uh you know th- the guy that's in his corner like literally and figuratively and this is where Like, up until this point, we have just seen all the turmoil between these two, and we kind of get to the root cause of this. And it's, like, the two coming together here in this pretty emotional scene for this 76-year-old that is, you know, staring at the latter years of his life and trying to, I won't say live vicariously through Rocky Balboa, but, I mean, he's, he is Ric Flair in the promo from Raw on Monday night. And here's a guy that's right near the end and he's not trying to take the spotlight from Randy. He just wants to be there and help. And Rocky did not punt him in the head down the flight of stairs at the apartment. He shut she
0: shut the bathroom door on him. That's about as, uh, as much as it went. Yeah. It, it, the end result is quite different because quickly after Rocky's outburst, like inexplicably, Rocky just like the way they did this was like incredibly interesting and and unique because like one scene like on the surface is, is so jarring connected to the other. So quickly after this, like very violent outburst with Rocky's most emotion, he's shown the entire film. We cut to like an exterior shot as Rocky or sorry, as Mickey is really sad walking, uh, you know, uh, away from Rocky's apartment by himself. And then like, you don't hear the dialogue, but you just see Rocky Bavala leave his apartment go and uh, you know shake Mickey's Mickey's hand uh makes up with him and just like <laughs> seems they seem to be in good spirits so even like after this you don't exactly know what's going on but i think you have a sense that hey like they're cool now so a lot i found was left to the viewer to like fill in that sub subtext um my assumption after watching this was like like rocky yelling about getting his face kicked in To me was like his admission to himself that he, again, is scared of this scenario. He knows he needs Mickey's help, but his bitterness towards him stops him from accepting it. But then like quickly after that outburst, like he forgives and he puts the grudge away and decides to do what's best for for his fight by getting Mickey to become his coach.
1: And thus begins the, the montage to get into fighting shape.
0: So the training begins, we see the famous scene of Rocky cracking up, like, what is it, a dozen eggs? or
1: Five Five eggs that he cracks and downs, and to me, still um, a scene that I can still dry heave when I watch this. Yeah,
0: five eggs is really a lot. Um, I I wonder how many people have, like, attempted this, you know?
1: I'm sure there's a whole generation of kids who have tried this.
0: Yeah, I'm sure boxers are just like, you know, let's get let's get into, like, the the zone. Let's drink some raw eggs. He... We see him first attempting to run the steps to the museum, but this time, he cramps like hell, and I thought
1: that... I totally forgot about this part. Like, they show where it's, like, the, the first days of training where he's just a mess uh, going up those stairs by, by the end of it and where it progresses to, but I like that you see... Uh, this is very, like, every musical montage to uh, convey a improvement over a t- period of time that we don't have the amount of time on film to uh <laughs> to explain so we're going to go through this with some music.
0: They actually didn't use like music necessarily. Like this wasn't I would say a proper montage like the way um you would see later on in this film and especially in Rocky 4. Um this you know, it was just more, maybe I would say more so a collection of scenes, but certainly like him... Oh, this is this is before we get the
1: uh, the, bi- the bigger montage yes, yes. Uh, at the end. You're right, yes. you're right.
0: So, But certainly, you know, seeing him run up the steps and failing, like, really provides a great visual gauge of his physical and mental readiness at this time. Like, I certainly like him running up the steps and failing, and then later on succeeding. I like that way better than having, like, a dude run on a treadmill and having a number, like... He's
1: at 50%. And then later he's at hundred percent wait, wait till we meet Ivan Drago yes. and his uh, physical improvements. Yeah. Um, this is also happening. He is getting ready for this fight in pretty much like we know this is after Thanksgiving and before January 1st. So we're talking like four weeks of hard training to get ready for this 15-round fight. Well,
0: that was one of the, the, the things is that they couldn't get any of the ranked fighters because nobody was going to take a fight against Apollo Creed on five weeks' notice. We see Polly in a fit of rage, uh punching some meat. Rocky tries the same. Apparently both this and the like running up the steps were like a part of Joe Fraser's actual training, which uh, probably provided a bit more um inspiration and also uncredited for uh Sylvester Stallone here.
1: He got his cameo in the movie though. I guess
0: so. Okay. Um
1: Paulie let's, let's also not forget uh Mickey's uh number one rule women
0: weaken legs. It's a it's a common rule that we hear all the time in, in fight circles, don't we? Uh the one person I've heard like say otherwise is like Frank Shamrock, who I I believe it was like a wasn't it a Fight Network Radio interview or something? It was something. It was something I've heard him talk about where like he says like he does not abstain at all before fights. He says it gets him in the shape, in fact.
1: Oh, I, I remember interviewing him the day of his fight with phil baroni and he came on with me and i was asking him what he was doing in the hours leading up to it and he's like i'm gonna go watch a movie you know it's just like another day for me and just uh and that was it and he beat phil baroni a very memorable fight in june of 2007 which it turned out shamrock i think like his knee was totally messed up going into that fight
0: Mm. so you know we see rocky punching meat he's running with his dog butt kiss which is actually sylvester stallone's actual dog uh, but in huh. in story, it was given to him by Adrian from the pet store. Uh, Ad- and Adrian now, who like continues her transformation, she's like dressed up in like, you know, much more fancy clothing. Uh, again, glasses off. She's very comfortable in her own skin.
1: Let's all let's also remember this has all happened in like seven to ten days.
0: Well, listen since their first date. Listen, LASIK. And maybe like a trip to Zara will completely change a person.
1: (laughs) Zara was Zara in Philadelphia at this time. I don't
0: know. Well, of course they had a Macy's
1: in Philadelphia. I don't know.
0: So you know, where I'm like as a viewer, I'm on this ride with Rocky. Like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm training with a guy. We know his life is shit. We know Paulie's life is shit. Everybody's life is shit here in Philadelphia, and we all know this man's hunger. And you contrast this type of training. His very down to earth like literally raw training to Apollo Creed, who we catch up with him, the guy isn't even training instead he's worrying a lot more about the promotion and the business side of things um in contrast to like Rocky's relatability, Apollo Creed does not come across at all relatable. he's at a superstar level and really more so at, at a businessman level where um you know it's gotten to be such a perhaps twisted and mutated form of what pure boxing actually is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, they're really like setting the scene for like, this is a gigantic mismatch. He's a 50 to 1 underdog and Apollo Creed is approaching it like that, which I mean, it's probably not that far-fetched from uh, you know, what Muhammad Ali probably did ahead of the Chuck Webner fight. Mm.
0: Uh, it, 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 it's uh, it's Christmas. Uh, Rocky and Adrian are caught talking about Polly behind his back. Paulie bursts in the door and it's incredibly tense. I, I will say honestly, like anytime Paulie's on screen because the character is explosive, you know, you never know when he's going to get violent. And he certainly does here where uh, Paulie blames his sister for him never having get, gotten married and uh, criticizes her for not being a, or at least like s- suggesting that she's no longer a virgin saying she's Busted. And I guess "busted" was like a really bad term at the time, John. You're busted. Um, I mean,
1: he's he's just an awful individual in this film, like to, to a point that it's almost like irredeemable. And yet they would. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it in in the films to come of where the uh, the Polly character goes. But in this first film, I mean, even the idea of presenting like, oh, it's just this gruff exterior. It's like, man, he, it's it's an impossible character, I think to. Um, look upon with with any positivity in this first film because he's just a complete asshole. See, but see, like,
0: uh, Burt Young ended up getting nominated for a uh, Best Supporting Actor Oscar as well for this. And I can understand why. Because, yes, he's, like, terrible. He is incredibly mean. But he also has a bit of vulnerability attached to him where you know he's doing all this because he's masking his own pain. And that comes across in a scene like this where he's just, like, he's breaking down himself. Saying that you should be nice to me. You should be such and such. And like to me these seem more like the words of a child. Like who's not getting what he wants. Or at least as somebody who's very like mentally stunted. Because of some personal trauma he was holding back in his life. And I don't don't recall if like the series ever really answers what that is. Or instead just like kind of moves on. But the performance like behind this. And also behind what Adrian was going through. To me suggested like great levels of depth to these characters.
1: Oh, pl- uh, plenty. Like, just, you know, the character is reprehensible, but you're right, like, they do key in on that, and Burt Young's performance is fantastic in this. Um, Yeah, I don't confuse, like, the performance versus the portrayal of a, a character, and you're right, like, it's... It, there probably is, like, a, a much deeper story that you could go into about, like, the upbringing of these two and what kind of childhood that they had, where they are so shattered from a level of, like... Confidence and a reliance on each other, even though one treats the other horribly and the other is so is still so reliant on Polly because that's the only person she knows to uh, to provide for her and take care of her, and yet he believes the same of her that he treats her like garbage, but also that's his person that he leans on as well so I mean there's a whole side bar story that I think is an interesting one that doesn't. I think could have been explored more. Um, but mm-hmm. th- it's it's very much, um, you know, focused on in, in this scene, it comes to a head. Uh, so Adrian finally decides to move out, move, moving in
0: with Rocky. And this is when we get our montage. Set to Bill Conti's Gonna Fly Now. Uh, the first true montage of the franchise and the only one of this film before it became a cliche. Uh, I felt this montage was really earned, you know? Like, we we see in contrast to what we saw earlier with him failing at the steps this time he manages to do it uh, great um and it's just like this is the culmination of his training He like after the weeks and weeks of like waking up early drinking raw eggs and like uh you know punching raw meat like he now runs through the streets of Philadelphia and uh is in tip-top shape representing the city
1: Maybe one of the most famous uh, songs when it comes to uh, a film score than mm-hmm. this. I mean, this is to me, like when I think of the Rocky films when I was a kid, it was this song that I immediately identified as it's one and the same. And when it would hit in any of those Rocky films, it was like, shit's on. You knew it was the the climax of the film when this music would play and it was just so linked like that you to this day i actually hate when fighters come out to this song because it's so cliche Mm. but i mean it's just it's perfect it was the perfect song uh to use for this scene and for this series
0: we might as well like talk a bit about bill conti right now because like uh it's it's absolutely this song gonna fly now and as well for me my personal favorite is going in the distance which uh gets used later on in the actual fight but to me these are like like the two of the best songs I think in any movie for, especially like a sports soundtrack and the decision to use like classical music for something that, that was modern. I, I like Stallone would talk about how it was sort of an unusual idea at the time, because originally in the studio wanted to use rock, like even something like a Jimi Hendrix, you know, for a soundtrack here. Um, which maybe, they,
1: maybe, maybe they could have had Enya if the generations met together, you could have Rocky preparing to only time.
0: Like, uh, Yoshihiro Akiyama. (laughs)
1: It's a great song. A very underrated song. Yeah.
0: But, you know, like, the idea to use rock, um, is certainly something they would go on to do, you know, in, in future, future films in, in the franchise. But for me, like, this film, the first one, is far more timeless than some of the others. And I think, for me, much of that has to do with how timeless a soundtrack like this is compared to, you know, Eye of the Tiger or you know Ugh, hearts on I hate fire that song. <laughs>
1: well yeah cuz it's fire. it's corny yeah. now it is corny now but i mean the other thing and it's like this will come up th- throughout all of this whether it's like the casting of carl weathers or the use of this song it's that we see the proof of this working so it's hard to go back and we have to look at from the perspective going into this film decisions that were made and looking at other alternatives like maybe maybe some other ideas would have worked but we know that these ones work because we have the evidence that supports that so um you know like like with any successful formula you go back well the original idea was this and of course it's going to sound like garbage because we it would deprive us of what we saw and what worked so well
0: it's weird because like this worked so well yet like in other films they would they would kind of stray away from from this particular soundtrack style but uh we We will talk about those those in the future, but this was uh this whole soundtrack was created on a slim budget of twenty five thousand for everything, which included conti's composer's fee, the fee for the musicians, the rental for the studio the the cost to buy tape everything so um didn't take a whole lot to produce, but ended up like being uh, one of the most enduring themes for any film and a staple of every sports arena in the future oh yes so uh Oh, also for this like training montage, I also need to note this because this, you know, um, many people I guess have, have uh, like talked about the cinematography in this film. This was one of the first films to make use of the Steadicam, and uh, the Steadicam inventor Garrett Brown actually worked on this film. Uh, some of these shots of Rocky running through uh, Philadelphia, um, you know, these tracking shots of him. And and I don't know how much you you might have noticed, John, but like they're completely stable. Like it's a it's a it's a camera on a truck, and uh, that's following Rocky as he's running through the streets of Philly. And there's no shake at all. And at the time, this was completely revolutionary because uh, no rig existed that would be able to absorb all of that movement until Garrett Brown came along and invented the Steadicam. Uh, so, you know, it ended up like being something that was used pretty much in uh, every major Hollywood picture following this. And
1: that, that tracking shot when he is full on sprinting, I think it's next to the train. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like this dude is going a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And even like, obviously Salone got in great shape, but um, what if he just like did this once is like, okay, I'm done. Fuck this shit.
1: Rocky, we just want to get some coverage for uh, if we if we need it. So we're gonna do a few more angles of this. Be like, go oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> you you got one of those sprints in you yeah. if you're a, a non high level athlete. And I think after that, his lungs would be exploding.
0: I'll save it for the sequel. So we approach the arena. Rocky gets a sneak peek of uh, this empty empty place, uh, which I believe was the L.A. Olympic Arena or something like that.
1: The Olympic Uh, Auditorium, maybe? Olympic
0: Auditorium, sure. Yeah,
1: Uh, famous uh, wrestling venue as well. This, This is what this fight would have looked like if it happened today in the COVID era. That is
0: correct, yes. So Rocky stands there in the middle of this big arena all by himself. He's looking at a poster of Apollo Creed uh, and he's just feeling incredibly out of place. And the, you know, the cinematography really accentuates this too by having Rocky just be a very small speck in the middle of this great grand wide shot that was, you know, you get the feeling that is really just designed by and for Apollo Creed with him just having a small cameo. Even his poster is wrong because it does not reflect the proper color of his shorts. It's white on red instead of having red on white, which is his proper color. He has to promote it. Hey, my, my poster's wrong. The promoter says, "Doesn't matter, does it?" Which further reminds Rocky that he's an insignificant part of this entire production. Um, Now, what's interesting is that, like this, this, like this mistake was actually like a real mistake, Um, and it wasn't intended at the time. They only wasn't weren't able to change it because they didn't have the budget to do another one of these posters. So, rather than you know, um, I guess uh, ignoring it and just using it. Stallone wrote it into the script and it made for this like wonderful interaction that like just furthered the idea that Rocky is a nobody at a time when you feel like he's already at his best condition best trained it just shoots him right back down and then we see Rocky go back to Adrian confessing that he he knows he's going to lose but at the same time he has decided that all he wants to do is to be the first man to go the distance with Apollo Creed. And he says that he believes doing so will prove to him for the first time in his life that he isn't just another
1: bum from the neighborhood. So that- he says, or he's basically saying, I could get wiped out in the scorecards if I make it to the end. That's my moral victory. Which is a, a perfectly reasonable goal to attain here. As a 50
0: to one underdog? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. S- Mess up the the sports books that have all counted you out and have everyone you know that have put money on you know their side bets to get stopped in the first three rounds make them all lose their money we head to the night of the
0: match uh as mentioned rocky is a 50 to 1 underdog he even enters in a rope that's too big for him Enter uh advertising Polly's meat company meanwhile apollo creed comes in with his wrestlemania
1: level Entrance. This was amazing. This was so awesome. i totally forgotten this entrance from the first film. He comes out, and he's dressed as George Washington. He's throwing out, like, coins to the people, which, to me, I mean, visually, should be throwing bills out. Like, it just makes for a better visual. Then it looks like he was just throwing out, like, crumbs to the people.
0: Bills are hard to handle and with gloves, though, aren't they?
1: Yeah. I mean, he probably didn't have one of those little, like... uh things to like shoot out bills but i mean this guy could have been the originator of making it rain in this scene and should have been i mean just visually looks more uh it stands out more for bills to be flying all over the place rather than coins it would be um but they couldn't afford it probably probably not he might have been throwing away like a bird seed or something for for this particular (laughs) scene
0: uh you know so the idea immediately is that like we've seen Rocky's uh, training for this whole thing. He's been working his ass off where Apollo kind of gives the impression that he's mainly a showman who isn't taking the competition very seriously, uh, preparing perhaps even more for an entrance than the actual fight here. He promises to end it in three rounds and Rocky, like I thought Stallone like conveyed his lack of confidence really well in these scenes at the beginning. He's just like, he seems starstruck. Like he seems he's just a fan who's like intimidated by the presence of like Apollo Creed
1: totally he plays this fantastic you have the vulnerability of him telling adrian he can't do this he's doubting himself like here he is at the finish line and he's got to be well he he's he's got to run the race essentially uh, to get to the finish line and he's doubting himself i think it makes for a really great scene setter here where you see the the difference of like his entrance versus creeds and the whole world is watching him in theory and this is This is his chance to either confirm people's thoughts that who's this unknown or to open everyone's eyes that he has something that Apollo Creed has never faced before.
0: We get into the fight and immediately Rocky just eats a bunch of shots. Creed's just toying with him. But then Rocky knocks Creed down for the first time in Creed's career. Um, Round two begins. Apollo is now taking it very seriously. He's dominating, but Rocky continues to fight back. This is when we hear Bill Conti's going the distance. Uh, Rap fans will know this as uh, the track to Puff Daddy and Notorious B.I.G.'s victory. Um, And so you know shit's about to get serious. It's no longer just an exhibition. It's now a war. It's perfectly balanced. Rocky gets knocked down. He gets up before 10. Apollo is shocked. Uh, Both of them leave with great injuries. Rocky's eyes become hematoma. Apollo's ribs are broken. Both are threatening their trainers to never think about stopping this fight in a bit of a um uh, another trivia note they they actually shot the final rounds first and then did things backwards and that's because they it allowed them to take the prosthetics off rather than you know gradually putting them on, which would take more time right right um so because we
1: just kind of breezed through rounds three through fourteen.
0: Oh, come on. It would have been really bo- uh, boring, I think.
1: I wanted the whole... That should have been the uh, the DVD extra, was the entire fight. Probably
0: would have been a lot of holding, you know? <laughs> a lot of stalling. Like, and the soundtrack can only last so long, right?
1: But this was uh, a hell of a five-minute fight.
0: Hell of a five-minute fight. Um, Stallone had reportedly, like, pinned every single move, beat for beat. And they rehearsed this like it was like a big, you know, choreographed dance. For weeks on end, Carl Weathers and Stallone. Uh, apparently, Gene LaBelle was involved in this, like, uh, choreography as well for, for these films. So, what a life that man's had. Oh, the Gene LaBelle.
1: Like, what, um... There really needs to be a book on Gene LaBelle. And the, oh, movie, the, the impactful... Like, this this was the referee for Anoki and Ali. Like, he... Like, it, all wow. the Hollywood work, the, like, the wrestling stuff. Like, that guy has had one of the most incredible lives that you can link to, you know from promoting like being part of a family that promoted wrestling at the olympic auditorium right up to his influence on ronda rousey i mean it's an unbelievable career and life that gene labelle has lived is there a documentary about him that you know of i mean there's been features and stuff on him i don't think ever a full-length documentary but i mean he's still alive today Mm -hmm. and he's like he's it very much when you hear his interviews like th- this is a worker but someone that is just a great storyteller 87 years old uh this guy is but it's
0: and just connections to everybody
1: oh yeah all that sports. like just an unbelievable like link that he has to so many incredible historical moments in in boxing in wrestling and mixed martial arts and hollywood as well
0: we reach the final round it's the 15th round rocky's um so crew apollo, uh, apollo creed has uh not done what he said he has not finished this fight in the fifth in the third uh but rocky is close to achieving his goal so uh apollo the, the fight finishes apollo says there won't be a rematch rocky says he doesn't want one and we come to the conclusion of the film where it's such a interesting like unique approach to ending you know, a boxing fight on film where we simply see Rocky in the moments following the fight being interviewed by uh, 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 TV people asking him, hey, do you want to rematch? I'm like, ask him all these boxing questions. But the camera is very tight and closed in on Rocky, who does not give a shit about any of this stuff. All he's looking for is Adrian in the crowd. He's just repeatedly calling Adrian. We don't even get a full, clear focus on the result of the match. We simply hear it in the background, but the camera f- still zooms in and focuses on Rocky's, like, uh, you know, prime focus here, and that's Adrian who makes her way into the ring, tells him he loves her, she loves him, and he says it back to her, and that's how the movie ends. Uh, and in the background, if you were paying attention, uh, Apollo Creed ended up winning a split decision. But what did you think of the of the, of the way the film ended?
1: I, I knew, like, it goes off, like, the way it ends, but I rem- I did not recall, like, the specifics about how vague they left it, where it's very hard to even know that it was, like, you hear the one, like, the Judge Walker scoring it for Creed, and then it's very faint uh, in terms of, like, the, the split decision win. But, like, number one, I thought it was such a positive for the film that you didn't go because remember this is not being written with the idea that we're going to pump out multiple versions of rocky like this Mm -hmm. is a one-off movie like that's how it's written and it would have been very easy to go with the cliche of the underdog upsets the world champion and wins and i'm so glad they didn't do it that way because i think this way there's so much more respect for the character that even in defeat you come away where he's proven everyone wrong and you've opened it up for a sequel uh, as well. But I mean, the main takeaway here is that here's this guy who achieves this, this fictional goal of his, which is, you know, accomplishing something by going the distance in this fight. But ultimately he realizes at the end of it, that it is, you know, this woman that he's in love with, that is the, the larger goal or accomplishment that he is uh, there for. And again, that's why people will talk about this is much less of a boxing movie than it is, like this is a a, a story of uh, one man's journey, and boxing is very much just the the backdrop uh, mm-hmm. to it. Um, that again, I go back to like the Chuck Wehner thing. It's like okay, that was the inspiration, but like this is this is far more like boxing is like just the connective tissue, and it's not the larger picture of what this movie is, what the story is conveying. But I I always enjoyed the way this ended and the way it was kind of left for, you know, multiple interpretations as well i
0: i think stallone probably saw that ali Webner fight and felt like you know so attached to Webner's story as opposed to ali's coming off of that fight and i think an ending like this like perfectly helps you see that perspective following the loser rather than the, the winner by minimizing like the effect of this like uh you know result of this match um by not even really showcasing it whatsoever at the end here you as a viewer um, realize that it doesn't matter what the result is of the match itself, because the result here is ultimately this man's, you know, uh, achievement of proving to himself and proving to the world that he's not just a nobody. And uh, more important than that, I suppose, you know, sharing it with a per- one person who understood his goal with him in and shared his you know transformation with him in Adrian, who by this point like talk about a transformation like she goes from somebody who's so shy, won't even like you know talk to Rocky to being confident enough to like open up to open herself up to him by telling being the one to initiate to tell her that she loves him so to me, it was like almost a culmination of both of their stories at this point in time uh, but certainly like all of that is to say what is important in both of their lives at this moment. Has nothing to do with the result of the match, and I I thought that I think that's just beautiful because so often I feel like we all just think about the result as the only thing that matters in any like type of thing that we 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 um you know attempt in life, but it completely neglects the journey, which I think a a, a conclusion like this focuses on.
1: Yeah, and I mean you know you always kind of view it by the our present time that, that we're living in. And you know, the moral of the story at the end of it was that all of this pressure he put upon himself was to win the approval of strangers, that in the end, it was the approval of the people close to him that were of value to him as opposed to, you know, whether he won or lost this fight that was immaterial because, you know, he, let's get really deep here, that with his eyes shut, his eyes were opened. Wonderful. To those around him.
0: Your overall overall thoughts on uh, this film?
1: I mean, it's a classic film. I think it's... um, If you want to argue, it's the best Rocky film. I think this is probably... like This is the solid foundation that this whole franchise is built upon. And it'd be very interesting how this movie would have been viewed if they never produced another rocky film like i think part of the lore of this franchise is the fact that it was so enduring um a- across multiple generations and into like the present day creed films but this on its own stands the test of time to me um save for some issues with uh certain portrayals uh, in this film but it also is a snapshot of the time period um that we look upon here but this is uh i think it's an excellent film i think it's like the most um it also, you know, you look at the backdrop to this and picking Philadelphia as much as, like, what a perfect location to build this around. And a lot of it, like, this film gave Philadelphia itself a lot of character mm-hmm. to those outside of the city. Like, you think about Philadelphia, it only takes you a couple of seconds before you're thinking about the Rocky statue and those steps. Like, to people outside of Philadelphia, this film is inextricably linked to that city and the attitude that we project on philadelphia as being this tough gritty city that rocky balboa embodied
0: completely completely uh yeah for me i feel like when i'm thinking back to my favorite films in this in the franchise i think this one might actually be up there and and for me like so much of that is because it it doesn't feel as gimmicky or as trendy as some of the future future ones To me, like this is an incredibly like minimalistic and very raw film, which uh, is limited by, of course, it's lower budget, which ended up making it, I think, a better movie because it forced the producers to be creative with a lot of what what they had. Um, And as a result, to me, it feels far more timeless than the other ones. I also love just how much respect it gives the viewer to like lead themselves through the, the, the personal struggles of each character does not really spell out to you like what every scene is supposed to mean you know a lot of it you kind of have to infer yourself through i would say really good performances from several of the cast members here um you know primarily like stallone i thought was fantastic mickey was fantastic uh i thought adrian was great and and really like Polly was fantastic too like in all their limited roles and apollo creed was fantastic every person here i think is uh very memorable Um, visually, I think it's considering, like, the budget, it's absolutely stunning. Um, And it did a great job of capturing, like, the beauty of boxing and extension combat sports. You have to imagine that, you know? Like, how many people were inspired to become boxers or at least become boxing fans after watching this film?
1: Yeah, I mean, it has um, a gigantic legacy, like, one of the most successful franchises um, and one that I mean, it put Sylvester Stallone on the map. I mean, it was this and then to a lesser extent Rambo. But this is, I mean, he was the quintessential Rocky Balboa. Like, it's impossible to think of anyone else playing this role, even though there were other considerations. And this film goes on. Um, as Wayne mentioned, this thing cost 1075000 to make. Then they spent $4.2 advertising the film. So think about that. They spent four times the amount advertising this film than they did on actually making it. And it brings in... 225 million dollars in 1976 dollars
0: yeah adjusted for inflation that's over like oh god that's is that probably like, over
1: 500 million dollars uh so
0: eleven one hundred and eleven million is what it did domestically and that that's that adjusted would be 500 million so like a worldwide box office of 225 at the time would probably be over that that'd be like almost a billion, wouldn't it?
1: Let's see here. So, yeah, if- 992.6 million dollars uh in 2020. And that's
0: off of a production budget of 1 million dollars at the time, which uh which uh, uh it goes on to say in the Wikipedia. This means that it had a percentage return of over 11,000%. Jesus
1: Christ. This was like the matrix of or not the matrix, the uh the Blair Witch project of its time.
0: Yes, that's right. It was the second highest grossing film of nineteen ninety uh nineteen seventy seven. Behind any guesses, John.
1: Highest grossing? Nineteen seventy six? Um seventy seven. 77, oh, 77. That's Star Wars. Yes. Yeah.
0: So just behind Star Wars was Rocky. What a year for, for film that year. Uh, as far as awards go, it was nominated for ten Oscars at the forty ninth Academy Awards, and That's it won. Amazing. It won three of them, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing.
1: And yeah, uh, and look yes. at this lineup that they beat for Best Picture. This is a year that had all the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, which is an awesome movie, and Taxi Driver, which is an also. Uh, an, I mean, these are all excellent movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny i've watched taxi driver and all the president's men not all that long ago and now rocky as well i'm gonna have to watch network again soon would you say uh, never, would you
0: say this is better than those two
1: Mm uh man i've got such a like romanticism about all the president's men i really love that film um i don't think the wrong one won though in in rocky one um Taxi Driver is like a totally different film. Network is one that I think it holds up better today than it would have at the time. And kind of looking at the effect of introducing like profits and losses into the newsroom and how it dictated uh, news coverage that I think today uh, carries an even greater weight than it would have in 1976. Um, But that's a stacked top five uh, for Best Picture. But Rocky winning is not – Shocking to me. Like, look at the performances that you just listed off in this film and the nominations that came with it. I mean, this was an unbelievably well-casted film.
0: Stallone was nominated for Best Actor as well as uh, Best Original Screenplay, uh, Best Actress nomination for Talia Shire, Best Supporting Actor nominations for both Burgess Meredith and Burt Young Uh, as well. Best Music nomination, Best Sound nomination as well. So, uh, yeah, no, we don't really have that much more to say about, like, you know, the legacy of this one um certainly like you know i think there's a real interesting realization as we go through the series of like how much the rocky character um ends up being like a bit of a biographical like role for sylvester stallone and it starts off at this film where he like kind of really comes from nothing and all of a sudden gets a chance to direct or, or write a movie for a a relatively big budget uh, i guess being cast in, in a lead role um is 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 a relatively new phenomenon for him and he ended up facing like you know the stiffest competition imaginable in hollywood and you know in this case actually won uh and didn't lose going up against uh you know uh, several people at the oscars so yeah
1: there was no split decision for best picture
0: Nope, not at all. And, you know, it, like, throughout the films as we go on, like, we'd see him deal with fame and, and everything much in the same way like Sylvester Stallone would would in his real life. So it's really interesting um, how, how much this this might mirror his real life.
1: Okay, let's go to the forum. Uh, we got a bunch of feedback here for the Rocky film, and we are kicking things off with John Ceno Evil. So happy you guys are doing this franchise, as it's one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. Although watching it back in 2020 eyes the scene with rocky trying to get adrian in his apartment and what he does is very uncomfortable to watch now regardless my second favorite movie of the franchise have you guys ever visited philadelphia and done the rocky tour i try to at least once a year and glad that rocky ate at pat's steaks in it uh much better than gino's across the street last i heard stallone still had those turtles cuff and link yeah the the names are just awesome cuff and link
0: i've never been to philadelphia it's it's actually on my list of places to go to
1: I was actually in, uh, like, actually at the planning point at one time with some of my friends to go there, but we never did go to Philadelphia. It's just never been, um, yeah, a place I've gone to. But I, I would totally do the the Rocky tour if I went there. Hundred um, percent. Dan says, great idea for a re- review series.
0: I love this movie. It's on my short list of movies where I see it on while channel surfing. I usually watch it till the end. What movies are like this for you guys? I'd also throw in Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, and Goodfellas on that list. I, I can say yeah, that, I, that never happens to me anymore because I never channel. Surf. I think
1: that's such a dying thing of your, like, just the idea of channel flipping yeah. is almost like we're removed from it so much that you sit down with, at most, your maybe turning on your guide, but like, it's something I don't really do. Like, oh, a movie's on, I'm going to watch that. Like, I. of the time I sit down it's because I have something I need to watch that I'm about to watch so um, I'm not really yeah maybe you and I are not the best uh, people to ask about just casually watching movies but in terms of ones like with rewatch value because I have a pretty like I've watched a movie and I don't really need to see it again unless it's for like the purposes of like the show or something we're reviewing Um, Goodfellas would be on that list like I'm I'm a fan of like the Scorsese gangster films I could watch scorsese films uh till the end of time um so i put goodfellas on that list
0: yeah i'm very much like that uh just like you john Where like I, I i watch things with intention now um and i don't necessarily like have the time to just even rewatch a lot unless like i'm watching it with a different per- perspective really sitting down and trying to study it so um you know, I, I always enjoy like rewatching something because I always, you know, tend to get something differently out of a film Definitely. than I did the first time. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, certainly the movie, the Marvel movies, I've, I've seen them all multiple times at this point, And each time you get something new and watching it in a different order, I think like, you know, like watching it often, like we watch these films when they come out in theaters and then we just like have these big gaps. But watching them in succession in a short amount of time together uh opens up like new perspectives too so i look look forward to doing that with this series
1: okay next up is richard so i'm glad you guys are discussing the rocky series which to me is one of the significant fictional american stories of both the latter half of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st when you count number six and the creed movies uh notice i didn't say the best as let's face it with rocky 3 onward quality is subjective but that's another discussion for another day Rocky is really part of a blockbuster wave of movies, along with Jaws and Star Wars that broke Hollywood out of the 60s and early 70s domination of bleak, dark internal stories that were the critical darlings of that time. Oddly enough, this movie was very dark and dirty looking as well. Of course, Stallone's screenplay and acting wouldn't win any awards, especially against that competition that year, but the movie as a whole was so winning that you couldn't help but cheer for it and liking it. When you realize how it won Best Picture and Director against classics like Network, a movie that was light years ahead of its time, All the President's Men, and Taxi Driver, it's more extraordinary. Uh, He mentions here Bound for Glory, the Woody Guthrie biopic, is always forgotten in all this, especially on this site as it brings back TNA memories. The next reviews, it will be more pointed about story, acting, music, etc. But watching this 44 years later, some scenes forgiven, it is a classic. We go to Imran
0: from Huddersfield, who says, "Great pick for a series to review. The first Rocky, while problematic in some places with 2020 eyes, still holds up as a sports movie and is probably still the finest example of the contender out of nowhere story. While I don't think Stallone is a great actor at all, I do. I do think he's great as Rocky. Maybe I d- I
1: disagree on that. Like I think Stallone. We can look at so many awful films that he did produce. He I think he's great in this." film and boy that's what he's saying
0: he's saying he's great as rocky but are there other stallone roles that you hold in high regard
1: okay i I see what he's saying like yeah i think it was like this was a character that you could see that connection to like this was a guy that i mean literally put the words into this character's mouth and he had the vision for it that i think that that's what makes him like so great and got such high praise uh for, for this portrayal um I wouldn't say he's an awful actor, but I think it was, you know, a specific character that he was great at in turn, as opposed to being a guy that had a lot of range beyond that.
0: He says maybe that's being harsh on him, but nothing else he's ever done has come close to embodying a character as he does with Rocky. Question, do you think a virtual unknown coming in and challenging slash winning the world title in wrestling could work as a WWE storyline today? Basically a 2020 version of 2002 Brock, but even quicker. What the fans accepted and what they ever, even ever do it. Now
1: well, certainly it could work. Of course, bring someone yes. in that catches fire. Like this is not the first scene is not the fight. It's it's a one hour and fifty minute promotion to get to that point. So you are rooting for this guy. Like that's what your television is. It's introduce a character, make people care about them, and then go somewhere. And I think certainly, um, you know, the history of wrestling when someone new comes along and you just skyrocket them more often than not works
0: i think the case of brock lesnar is is very different because brock um even if you don't know a thing about his backstory he is so physically impressive that you don't need to know his backstory and i think you're already attracted to him fans can immediately gravitate towards him as a champion as a major act if we're talking about a rocky type of character That person would need to be incredibly charismatic in their own underdog way, I think, to be put into a similar. Like if we're trying to tell a Rocky story in professional wrestling with a guy who is a relative unknown, um, he'd have to just be probably have to be a great promo. Uh, Maybe might have to, you know, just have a really relatable look that might work for its time. Um, It it, it would would require something that, that I think would perhaps stand out about the guy. Um, but as John said, their
1: Rocky stories are, they bring in the guy that's the underdog and beat him like a drum to the point that no one does care about them. And that's happened in way too many cases.
0: Yes, unfortunately. Well, long-term storytelling.
1: That's right. You got to wait for it to play out. Mark writes a classic, the best of the franchise, although best film and personal favorite of the franchise are separate distinctions. Stallone breaking out and the underdog. The Rocky films are the best way to also chart where Stallone is with his own standing in Hollywood. The later sequels of the eighties mirror his position in the industry and then his return to the character in the last 15 years does the same. Excited to watch along with you guys. Mouloud says, I saw this film, believe it or
0: not, in a college film course. It is one of the first movies to use a steadicam. I believe to capture the action shots, indie filmmaking on a Sylvester Stallone size budget still holds up as a classic. Creed was way ahead of his time as a character being portrayed in a 70s film. Love when he is studying and working out at the time. At the same time, he says.
1: And the last one here is Dwayne from Ireland. Great pick for your next review series. Even though the first four movies were released before I was born, I grew up obsessed with the series. Yes, even Rocky V. I was a kid though I didn't fully appreciate 1 and 2 until I was a bit older. Nowadays, the first film is my favorite, not just of the series, but of any film. The story alone of how the first movie was made and the tight budget, which led to instances like the scene where Rocky points out to Jurgens that he's wearing the wrong colored shorts in the poster because they didn't have enough money to replace the poster, along with the fight Stallone had to put up just to play the title character, could all probably be a podcast of its own. I would say if they were really uh, sticklers for consistency, I would say... Let's not make an entire new poster. Let's get different tights.
0: <laughs> they might have not had enough budget for that either. I think Stallone like preferred the red with white trim. Um and I like and they just didn't have enough to change a whole poster.
1: The key t- to anything like that those holes is like acknowledge them and mm-hmm. then people don't have a gotcha moment for for them to make it like uh an error. The
0: problem like, is like We know the problem is, like, you know, you often... Like, in this film, they came up with incredibly creative ways that fit with the story to explain inconsistencies like that. Now, certainly they could have done something like this for the color of the Hummer changing from black to white in WCW. Um, but they Except never Kevin to.
1: Nash pop into the screen and say, doesn't really matter, does it?
0: <laughs> Took it for a paint job, of course. Tried to hide
1: it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So there you go. That was Rocky 1, the first of our series of Rocky film reviews. And Rocky 2 will be next up next month, uh, which will be coming out on September the 8th. So everyone has a month to go rewatch Rocky 2, whether it be on uh, a digital version, DVD, or maybe a VHS copy. How did you watch this one? I bought it on YouTube, or I rented it on YouTube, I should say. Because I know you have it on VHS. Well, it was funny because I was at my parents' house on the weekend and was going through some stuff. And just I had watched it the night before I had rented it and just by chance found the box set of films. And so I took a picture of them. But I did not watch this because the, I found the VHS tapes. The problem is I don't have a VCR. Uh, okay. And, oh, and also you couldn't 2X it. Off. What's that? I, I, no, I watched this on normal speed you did okay yep, wow yeah
0: well maybe rocky 2 or maybe rocky 5 will will be a 2x or we'll see
1: rocky 5 might test everyone's uh limits um but that that's that's months away so we have we have time to prepare for uh tommy the machine gun
0: so we'll be back with that next month uh and you know who knows like i mean i'm hoping perhaps we can get some guests on for future reviews wanted to do this one with with john solo but uh if there are people you would like to hear talk about this film. Uh, on this po- podcast review, do let us know who you'd like to hear from the post wrestling family. We'll uh, reach out to Carl Weathers. Oh God, I man, I'd talk to him about uh, Happy Gilmore. Forget Rocky.
1: <laughs> um. So, what's coming up here uh, next week? So next week on Tuesday in this time slot, we will be having Rewind Away number seventy-seven, and we had put out a poll asking people which Royal Rumble. Would you like us to review? This was a uh, courtesy of Ian Kushner, who is our espresso executive producer who lent it to you. He said, I want you guys to pick a Royal rumble and the people can vote. And the poll is, I am officially closing it uh, because closed. we had a, we had a clear cut winner of the selections. We had the Royal rumbles from 91, 95, 99, and 2001. And overwhelmingly 42% of you voting for the Royal rumble from 2001 uh, featuring that year's Rumble, as well as Kurt Angle versus Triple H for the WWF Championship, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho in a ladder match, um, as your as the highlights, and Drew Carey on top of it.
0: Oh come on, that that in itself felt probably worth worth a review alone. Uh, but just to give you guys a sense of uh, what came in second place, second place was Royal Rumble 1999, followed by 91, and then. Uh, the poor mid nineties Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety five, coming. in <laughs> My, last my,
1: my choices don't hit well with people, but I was shocked nineteen ninety nine did as well because that's a god awful show. It's probably the worst Royal Rumble.
0: I think people more so look at the, like the year and more so like what the roster might have been at the time. I mean, any of these Attitude Era ones, in particular, like two thousand one, right before WrestleMania seventeen, um, going to be very well remembered. So, looking forward to talking about that with you next week, John.
1: Yes, uh, 2001 Royal Rumble next Tuesday. And then two weeks from now, we will have another Ask Away if I have my, my dates right. So, yes, uh, that is what is coming up. We will also be back Friday night with a live Rewind to SmackDown, 10:15 p.m. Eastern time for all of you to tune in. And you can call in as well. Uh, we will be getting to your phone calls. And uh, lots coming up in the, uh, the coming days, including our UFC 252 post show that will be coming out live Saturday night right after the fights. At youtube.com slash post wrestling. So thanks to everyone for posting feedback to Rocky One. And now you can go uh, dive into Rocky Two, the rematch.